is 836. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let's get right to it. Three big things. We start the program off that way every day. And, of course, the biggest story, once again, and I tried, I, I admit, I, I try to vary things up a little bit. Maybe some days you talk about national stories. Some days you talk about local stories. Some days statewide stories. Um, unfortunately, lately, President Trump is the lead story of the day. Um, let me back into this. I remember once when I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office and I was running the Organized Crime Drug Task Force and we had an investigation going into a a woman and and I wasn't handling it. It was one of the guys that that worked with me that was handling it. And at some point in time, her attorney and her father came in to talk to the prosecutor that was handling it. And I I just and and the, the, the guy that was handling the prosecution comes in afterwards and says, I've just had the most bizarre meeting. I met with, you know, so and so. As you know, we're running this investigation into so-and-so, and her father came in with, with her attorney. said her father. And, and her father was a relatively prominent Milwaukee businessman. And the, said the father kept talking about how you, meaning me, knew, knew his wife. And, and he just kept saying that. I mean, we, you know, and it was like, and, and the implication was that because you knew his wife, there was something that maybe, you know, we, we should, like, dis- discontinue the investigation. It was, like, really weird. And and the, the my colleague said, you know, what, what do you think? And first of all, I said, well, number one, I, just do what you need to do. I mean, but but the, more, the more I thought about that, we were both kind of bothered. I'm thinking, okay, who goes in and tries to, like, name drop in an effort to try to deter a, a criminal investigation, and it just on, on so many levels, it was just so wrong. And as you can probably tell from the tone of my voice, this probably happened 25 years ago, maybe more, and it still irritates me to this day that something. It's like, and I, I said to again my colleague, I said, "Well, you know, this, this is just nuts. I mean, go just follow the investigation, do whatever. And if, by the way, he, he ever comes back or calls you again, I would appreciate you, you know, sending that particular phone call to me because I would like to tell this guy what I think about this particular thing. So anyhow, it, but it's always bothered me. You do not try to influence in that way federal invest any type of investigation. There's nothing there's nothing worse than, than doing that, and there's nothing that irritates prosecutors more. So here is is the latest story, and it seems like there's a revelation a day involving you know President Trump. You know, the the James Comey story, I didn't think is a big deal. To to the extent that I I, I think what happened is President Trump believed that Comey was not being loyal to him, got angry at him, and ended up firing him. I don't think this was an effort to kill an investigation into the, you know, Russian influence peddling or whatever, because the truth is, by, by doing this, he's brought it even more front and center. I think it was a political miscalculation because Trump believed, hey, the Democrats don't like Comey. They're, they're going to applaud this, not realizing that, yeah, the Democrats don't like Comey. But once, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Once, you know, Donald Trump takes on Comey, Comey becomes the greatest thing in the world, the, the giant, you know, investigative savior. So I think Trump made a bad political miscalculation. But I don't think this was an attempt to forestall an investigation into Russia. And it, it's not going to work anyways. That that would that would have just you know, been been a dumb sort of situation. Then you have the story the other day that, that breaks that apparently in, in just idle chatter, he decides to share extremely classified information that now apparently came from Israel with the Russian ambassador and the Russian foreign minister. And as I said about this yesterday, I 
if I'm in Great Britain or, or I'm in France, I'm one of our allies, and I find out that this information was apparently too sensitive and too controversial and too confidential to share with us, and the, the president is blabbing about this in a meeting with Russia, uh, with Russian representatives, I, I'm, I'm angry about that. I understand that there may be occasions where you come into possession of very, very classified, very, very confidential information that you think it is necessary to share. For example, if you are concerned that there is a uh, terrorist plot to blow up Russian airliners for whatever reason, and you've got concrete information with that, I, I think it would be irresponsible not to share that with Russia. But you, you do that typically after having meetings and you sit down and you evaluate this and you bring your national security advisors in and you say okay how can we share this information in the best way possible you know what do we need to do and you do it through channels you don't do it in some conversation in the white house like you're talking about i i don't know your golf game in the locker room so that was the story yesterday and it is difficult for me to defend president trump in doing, you know, what what he did. Again, you might want to disclose the information. I get all that. You might find a need, but there are there are channels, there are ways to do it. And I just don't think I don't think the president thought about that at, at all. And then you send out, you know, one of your security guys, you know, McMaster's. Yesterday, he, he ends up having to give a really painful press conference because he had gone out and he had said, "No, no, no, this did not happen. The story is wrong." And then the president says, "Well, you know, I, I, it's my right to to do whatever I want," which certainly means the story is right. So, okay, just as that is starting to die down, you now have the, these latest revelations. The FBI director James Comey, apparently in the months before his firing, was becoming increasingly uncomfortable around President Trump. And I, ha- I have no doubt wh- whether whether this was justified or not. I have no doubt that this is probably one of the things that sort of led to the decrease and the, the breakdown in their, their relationship. And Comey, in an effort to, I think, cover his you-know-what, started taking detailed notes of his various meetings and contacts with with Donald Trump, you know, if if he'd have a if he'd have a meeting, he'd apparently put these like detailed notes regarding what was said at the meeting. And so the story broke by the New York, broken by the New York Times yesterday is in in mid February, following a a meeting of the the national uh, a national security meeting, um, apparently President Trump whistles Comey aside. And they start talking about, um, you know, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was a security advisor who had to you know, step down because it turned out he lied about his contacts with Russians. And so, you know, he was essentially forced out. So the FBI conducting an investigation into, again, Michael Flynn. So at least according to these detailed notes that apparently some aide ha- has seen and is now leaked to the press, uh, President Trump whistles Comey aside and, well, again, it's a little bit unclear because we don't have the notes, but the way the story is reported, um, he tells Comey that um, he didn't want to smear Flynn, who is a, a good guy, and that he hopes this all kind of goes away. Now, so you have, if that's true, you have the President of the United States telling the FBI director, who is running an investigation, that the President really likes this guy and wants to see this whole thing kind of go away. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I do not know 
that if this is true, it rises to the level of obstruction of justice. But at the same time, if this is true, it strikes me as being very, very wrong. And it is the latest in a series of missteps by the president where he continues to shoot himself in the foot. It is a big deal if it's true that you've got the, at least in my opinion, you've got the president of the United States going to the FBI director and suggesting that he wants an investigation into a close associate of his, the president, to go away. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, is this a media-created firestorm or is this something that people should legitimately be concerned about? Is this another example of the president shooting himself in the foot? 414-799-1620 is the number we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 845, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 848, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I want to be clear here. I don't I don't know, and I, I honestly, I do not believe that if this information contained in this Comey memo from mid-February is accurate. I'm not suggesting it constitutes obstruction of justice. That's That requires intent. It is very, very difficult to prove. That being said, if it's true that the President of the United States is is whistling the FBI director aside and telling him, I hope, quote, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, this being the criminal investigation into Michael Flynn. Um, he's a good guy. I hope you can let this go, even if it's not technically obstruction of justice. It just it's not right. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, my thoughts are uh, it doesn't seem to pass the proverbial stink test. Uh, it seems like uh, Trump is uh, just digging a bigger a bigger hole between him and the media, and uh, I just think that uh, it's just not right. Yeah, it, well, I mean, is, do you think this is a media creation? I mean, there's there's no question in my mind. I mean, the media is out to get him. They've been out to get him. But at the same time, it, it wasn't the media that had them him pull aside the FBI director and at least allegedly suggest, hey, I, I want you to – I want you to. I'd like you to give a break to this guy who was working with me and is a friend of mine. No, I'm. I'm thinking. You know, I was hoping that to be more of a, uh, a camaraderie between the media and Trump eventually, but it's not seeming to happen because Trump keeps shooting himself in the foot, and this is just not a right thing. It doesn't have to stink up. Well, it, it, I guess that's that's my. I mean, that's my concern as well. Okay, Chris uh, sends us a text. Trump is on a learning curve, but is making some big blunders. He's his own worst enemy, and the country's reputation is taking a hit. Think about what Bill Clinton shared with China during his tenure. Would Obama be under the same scrutiny? Probably not. And I think that that's, I think that that's fair. But at the same time, it, it does seem like you've got one story after another. Now, during this conversation, apparently Trump was also encouraging Comey to again be more aggressive in pursuing you know whoever it was that was leaking information and i i do think that that is a fair commentary i mean to to say hey i want us to crack down i want us to be investigating i wanted to make it a priority for us to start to investigate you know people who are violating the law by you know making confidential information public i think that's a very fair point ken endowsment ken you're on 620 wtmj good morning oh good morning i got a question and stuff like that didn't Obama do the same thing when he come on a, a, a press conference and he said right out that that, that Hillary wouldn't be found with any 
problems with the emails or Benghazi or something? Am I wrong on that, or did I forget that? Or well, the thing I, I mean. <clears throat> I, I don't know. The incident I remember is Obama criticized Comey at the end of his term for sending that that memo saying, hey, we've got new evidence and we're, we're reopening the investigation into Hillary. I, I do remember Obama, you know, having a press conference and saying, you know, we, we, we don't you know, we don't operate on leaks. We just we don't comment on investigations. So I do remember I do remember that. Maybe that's what you're referring to. Maybe there's something else that that's at least the one time I remember Obama, I mean, directly going after Comey. Well, I think it was earlier and stuff like that um, yeah. when the Senate guys were getting together, yeah. and he said the Attorney General and the FBI uh, won't find anything. He, he said that right yeah. on the well, right of course, on the, the news right. and, and that and that, can I get that's entirely possible. But I guess this is. I, I, frankly, I, I don't think presidents should necessarily be commenting on investigations, but th- this is a bigger thing. I mean, the implication of this is that the president of the United States was trying to um, w- was trying to arguably, you know, discourage an FBI director from you know conducting an investigation. And I, again, I want to be clear: I don't think this rises to the level of obstruction of justice. But the bigger point. The, the bigger point is, it's it's one story like this after another. I, I know I sound like a broken record, but you know when when Donald Trump was elected president, and when Republicans have a working majority in Congress, I'm thinking, okay, this is this opportunity. It is perhaps a once in a generation opportunity to really get some major reform and really address and tackle head on some of the major problems we have. And on a daily basis, we're you know, we're off on, and I don't want to say these things are trivia. That's not fair. But at the same time, it's like, all right, these are not the average American. I don't know about you, but my life, you know, whether or not, you know, you're investigating Michael Flynn or not, that doesn't affect my life. It probably doesn't affect your life, obviously. But that's what the story is, and that's what now the dominant thing is going to be. And this whole idea is now is there a basis to impeach Trump? Was there obstruction of justice? Do you need a special prosecutor? This is this is going to be the parlor game all summer long and, and maybe into the fall, and who knows where it ends up going. But for every day that this is what dominates the news story, that's another day that we're not talking about how we figure out the ways to make everybody's lives better and how we figure out a way to make this country more secure. And that is what the frustrating thing is. And, you know, our, our texter, Chris, she might be right when, when she says this is a learning curve and you, you have somebody who's just – and I, I think there's some of that that – that's true. I, I think, you know, in Donald Trump, you have this highly successful, driven businessman who candidly over the years, his his relationship with the truth has been strained. The guy was just a, a salesman who I think in many cases would say anything he needed to do. He needed to make a sale. When you're running your own company, you know, you can you, you can do that. You can pull in, you know, one of your department heads and you can tell them, hey, I, I don't want you. I don't want you doing this, or I don't want you pursuing this. And you can do that, and that's fine. You cannot do it when you are the president of the United States, though. And I don't think President Trump has learned that. And I don't know what it's going to take to make him learn that. I'm just frustrated that we're spending time talking about this stuff on a daily basis instead of the significant stuff, like how are we going to stop Obamacare from cratering? 855, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 
And I'm Jeff Wagner. It's 9.09. Big thing 1A. We were talking about the, the scandal involved, the, the latest allegations involving Donald Trump. And it, it clearly, in my, I know exactly what happened here. I mean, FBI Director James Comey began to feel uncomfortable around Trump. Um, I think he sensed that their relationship was deteriorating. And so he decided to take copious notes of his various contacts and his meetings because he, he, he wanted to, I think, protect himself in case things broke bad. And I think he had a feeling that there might be the opportunity of breaking bad. Now somebody's end up you know, leaking some of those notes. And it, it's, again, I, I'm getting these emails from people saying it's clearly obstruction of justice. Well, that's that's a big term to throw around. And that's it's easier to say than it is to prove. But nevertheless, at the very least, I think it's unseemly if you have the President of the United States who's suggesting to the FBI director, hey, I'd like you to, to go easy on 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 this. Um, he, he's really a pretty good guy. Uh, the stock market is in a free fall today. The, uh, let's see, the stock market right now, Dow down 217 points, NASDAQ down 71 points. And whenever I see these big drops, I try to figure out what's going on. Why, why is it? Um, and as near as I can figure out today, it is just the political turmoil. This is there, there's not anything objectively going on in the financial world. There, there's not some monster earnings report or something. This is just investors who are uncomfortable that the agenda, the, the pro-business, pro-growth agenda that they thought was they were going to get when President Trump was elected is being essentially forestalled by all the, this other stuff, which I was talking about a little bit earlier, which is kind of one of my concerns. So. Um, that that's why the market is down today. I've always said, and I don't pretend to be an investment advisor, but I think you know when you make investments, you always want to look at the, the fundamentals of the economy as opposed to just react to what's going on in any given day. But if you're wondering why the market is down, that's it. But here's the other interesting story: in the United Kingdom, uh, you can bet on just about anything, and and right now um, there are about 55 percent of the people who are betting are betting that they do not believe that Donald Trump finishes his term. That, in other words, he's going to leave office before four years. And you don't have to specify whether it's impeachment or whether he just decides enough is enough. But the, the, the bets, more than half the people who are putting their money on this are betting that he is not going to make it through the first four, for his, through his four-year term. All right, I, I'm curious about this. So big thing 1A. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, and you feel free to disagree with me, I think I think it's about 50-50. I, I really do. If you would have asked me this three months ago, I would have said, Oh, there's no question he is going to he's he's going to complete his term. There, there's there's no question about that at all. I think given the relentless the relentless investigations, the relentless hammering, I, I think it's about 50-50 uh, that he completes his term. Do you think he is going to complete his term? And again, it, it could end in impeachment. I haven't seen anything that convinces me it's an impeachable offense. It could end simply in, and again, I, it's tough to figure out how with Donald Trump with his ego would do this, but you simply say, hey, en- enough is enough. I, I'm tired of this deal. This is not fun. I'm 70-some years old. I am rich beyond avarice, and you know this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for. Do you think he would walk away? What do you 
Do you think he completes his term? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I'd say, I think, they're not trying to waffle here, but I think it's 50-50. Three months ago, I would have said 95-5 that he completes his term. I'm not as sure now. Gary in Sussex. Gary, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, this guy's a fighter. To be where he's at, yep. to fight through this this uh, election, I mean, when he was running, yep. for two years he took the abuse. There's no way in the world that I think that he's ever going to quit. And I'd be really disappointed mm-hmm. if he dropped out. And and the only way he would ever get impeached is he would have to do some real bad criminal stuff that the Republican House and the Republican Senate would sit there and vote to have him impeached. Well, let let me, right, and I I think, right, as long as the Republicans control Congress, that's not going to happen. But let let me give you a a scenario as I'm trying to kind of play this out. Let's say a year and a half from now, the, the, the midterm elections. Typically, the party in power does not do well in the midterm elections. Let's say that this ends up being an electoral bloodbath. And I'm not, predict, I'm not predicting that. I'm just saying, let, let's say it, it's all the, the scandal, all the controversy ends up bringing, uh, bringing down a lot of Republicans. Let's say the Democrats regain control of the Senate. That would be very tough to see, because, but, but let's say that. Let's say that they pick up the 26 seats they need. So now you've got a Democratic Congress. You've got Donald Trump. Um, the thing, it ratchets up, the investigations intensify, his ability to get something through Congress is pretty much now nil. Could you see him just saying, okay, I, I just, I've had enough of this, boom, I'm done? Well, if, if he, I, I don't know, but if they had, if, if he started doing things that were really criminal, yeah. uh, instead of getting impeached, I mean, I, I believe that he would drop out if he knew for sure that the Senate and the, and the House was going to impeach him, yeah, yeah he, he'd drop out. He's not going to go through. He's just right. going to be the but, second or third pre- president ever to be impeached. Right, okay. Johnson, yeah. you know? Okay, no, thanks. Again, I said, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm not even necessarily thinking of the impeachment thing. And again, maybe I'm just, I, I can't get into the mind of, 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 uh, of a guy like Donald Trump, but I'm thinking, okay, if I'm, if, if, if I'm 70 some years old and I'm, I, I can do anything I want, do you, and I understand he's a fighter, and I understand there's this ego, but I mean, I'm trying to think two years down the line, if you're just looking, if you've been through you-know-what, you know, in the political grinder, if Republicans lose control of Congress, and I'm not predicting it, but it's a possibility, let, let's face it, and then you're looking at just another two years of living hell, you're not going to be able to get anything through, could you see somebody just saying, okay, I, I'm walking away from this, I'm going to go sit on my beach somewhere, I I, it's, it's difficult for me to imagine that happening, but stranger things have happened. Paul in Milwaukee. Paul, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, first time ever caller. Let me say I'm an independent, but you just nailed that down. I came to the same conclusion that you have reached concerning he's going to walk away. They're going to say it's a health issue or whatever, but right quick, don't be surprised for mm-hmm. what else is hiding in the closet okay thank okay you. thank you well, I, yeah, again i mean that, that's that's one of the things that you that's one of the things you could do if you decide that it's it's just not worth it that you know life my, one of my big philosophies is, is life is too is life is really short <laughs> you, know, like, you know and 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 again i understand this sounds like this kind of an odd thing but but i mean i'm trying to imagine what it's like being in the the trump white house now and you know it, it's it's one thing after 
another. And at some point in time, do you say enough is enough? Now, I understand there's people out there who are hoping, okay, we're, there's going to be some smoking gun and there's going to be a basis for impeachment or something like that. I, I, I'm not seeing that right now. But at this, and, and it's as a practical matter, as long as Republicans control the, the House and the Senate, it's not going to happen. That's just that, that it's just all smoke and mirrors. But I don't think there's necessarily any guarantee that that's going to continue to be the case. My inclination tells me it probably is. But I mean, if if Trump can't turn things around, and if his approval rates hangs in the low 30s. Um, and we're going into midterm elections, there there will be fallout for Republicans unless they can figure out a way to distance themselves from him. Uh, let's see. Lori writes, I think he might walk away, but he will blame it on being not being treated fairly. Um, that way, in his mind, he wouldn't lose face. Yeah, I mean, I, there's all sorts of things that you could um, that you could say. Um, I always thought I okay. We have another text here. I always thought I was voting for Pence, and that Trump was going to mess it up somehow. I think he he leaves, huh? Um, let's see another along the same lines of text. I was so happy when he selected Vice President Pence. Said before he was elected, if elected president, he would not finish his term, huh? Interesting. Steve in Mequon. Steve, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Those Steve. texts you read is funny. It made me smile because. Last night at dinner, I said to my wife, I have this feeling we're going to be saying <clears throat> President Pence sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of agree with most of what you laid out. I don't think it'll be an impeachment thing. I think Trump will, will just get set up. Of that. That's part of the plan. That's what the Democrats are doing. This mm-hmm. is part of a, of a concerted effort that they say, hey, if we just keep pounding and pounding and pounding, he's going to eventually possibly just throw the white flag up and say, I, I give. So I, I tend to agree with you Right. And, and, and of course, and it won't be it won't be I'm go- it, it, it'll be I've got a health issue or I've got something like that. It, it won't be yeah, I'm, I'm just going to quit. Something to save face. There's no question. I'm yeah. Sure of that. It, it, see, the, the thing it's interesting to me, Steve, about the the whole impeachment strategy argument, everybody pushing for that. If that happens, you you get you get Vice President Pence. You, you get President Pence, which I, I think a, a lot of us would love to see. You know, Pence Absolutely. is the president. Yeah. <laughs> no, right. So I mean, for taking my call. no, thanks. I mean, so that makes me wonder about what the end game is. Again, I'm, well, we'll we'll take a barometer from time to time. And again, I'm 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 about fifty fifty. But people who are betting with their money, at least in the United Kingdom, are betting that President Trump does not make it four years. It's nine nineteen. This is Jeff Wagner. Big thing number two coming up. Chelsea Manning. Nine twenty two. Jeff Wagner. Six twenty. WTMJ. WTMJ's classic free ride makes a pit stop in West Bend today. Join John McCure and Wisconsin's Afternoon News as they broadcast live from 3 to 6 at the Pick and Save on Main Street. Register to win the incredible 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible and tickets to see Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers at Summerfest this July. I hope to be at one of those shows. That's this afternoon from 3 until 6 at Pick and Save on Main Street in West Bend. It's the WTMJ Classic Free Ride sponsored by New Mail Medical in Wauwatosa and Summerfest. Um, one final thought on the Trump thing. Sam texts... Um, I would ask the same question of Paul Ryan. If he doesn't approach Trump and demand an end to this nonsense, his head is probably going to be on the block as well. Well, um, not not from a perspective of continuing to be in Congress because he's in a pretty safe seat. But um, Speaker of the House, yeah, there's that. That's it. I just I don't want President Trump to take down the Republican Party um, as, as we go off on, on some of these things. And seriously, what are you doing saying, hey, what are you saying, doing saying things like this to the FBI director? All right, big thing number two. 
it is an ongoing aggravation to me. I'm kind of old school. I think classified documents should remain classified, and I think it is a big deal when people decide that they have access to information that is classified, national security stuff, and they decide that they know better. They know better than anybody else, and they should take it upon themselves to release the documents. I am talking about, of course, the story of Private Bradley, now Chelsea Manning. 2010, Bradley Manning, um, who is a low-level, and this just drives you nuts, low-level, like, security analyst who happens to have access to hundreds of thousands of classified documents, many of which he slash she probably couldn't understand, decides to copy hundreds of thousands of these secret military and diplomatic files from a classified computer network. And then, um, you know, he's at a forward operating base in Iraq. He then decides that he is going to leak all this information, making it available to God and the world. Um, the, the leaks then making public, you know, backroom diplomatic dealings, discussion of local corruption around the world, intelligence assessments about Guantanamo Bay detainees, um, all, all sorts of, of classified type of information that this low-level analyst decides that he is going to make available. So he gets caught, he gets arrested. After he is caught and arrested, um, Bradley Manning declares that he, um, again, has, has always has always actually been a woman and changes his name to Chelsea Manning and um, you know go, goes on from there. Um, goes through the gender reassignment type of stuff, and so now it, it's Chelsea Manning. Bradley Manning slash Chelsea Manning sentenced to serve, what, 30-some years in a military prison after being, 35 years, um, after, you know, disclosing all this confidential information, serves a few years, and then in what was a disgraceful move, in my opinion, at the end of the Obama administration, on his way out the door, Barack Obama commutes the sentence of Bradley slash Chelsea Manning. And the effect of that commutation is instead of serving 30 years plus, um, Manning walks out of prison today, walks out of prison today. And he, you know, she will um, continue to be um, in, in the military, continuing to receive taxpayer paid for benefits, at least for the time being, while they end up pursuing the appeal. A lot of people on the left view Chelsea Manning as a hero. This is this here. Here's somebody that took classified information and decided that they they knew what the greater good was. A lot of people in the media were upset with the Obama administration for aggressively trying to prosecute somebody who leaked this type of information. I think, first of all, I think they were right to go after him slash her. I think it was appalling, appalling that Obama decided to commute the sentence of somebody who again, took it upon themselves to potentially compromise American intelligence. I guess I, it, it's, to me, there's no ethics in the media anymore. And so there, there's no concern. If you have media outlets, whether it's the Journal Sentinel or whatever else, who, who gets access to you know confidential documents or hacked documents or documents attained illegally, there, there's no hesitation at all with running that and trying to make money and sell newspapers or generate you know clicks on a website or whatever. There's no ethics when it comes to that and, anymore. But the flip side of it is, if the laws say that you are not supposed to disclose stuff, 
I'm very troubled. You can have a low-level security analyst deciding what the greater good is, and when they make that stuff available, and when they potentially compromise our foreign policy, they deserve to be in prison, and they deserve to be in a prison for a long time. Chelsea Manning, big story number two, walks out of jail today. Thank you, Barack Obama. Big story number three is coming up. If you run a convenience store in this area, beware. Stick around. It's 927. This is Jeff Wagner. Thirty-six, Jeff Wagner, six twenty, WTMJ. All right, this is the headline in the Fox Six story. It caught my attention. We are helpless. Bold group of thieves targets convenience stores in Milwaukee. Let me share a portion of the Fox Six news story with you. A group of bold and defiant thieves, and I'm looking at their pictures because they capture a lot of them on on uh, the surveillance videos. They're all young, young people. Predominantly, it appears African-American, but not necessarily exclusively. Can't quite tell, but that's what it looks like to me. A group of bold and defiant thieves is targeting convenience stores in broad daylight and grabbing whatever they can get their hands on. Store owners feel the thefts are part of a bigger operation. The images of the burglary suspects from surveillance video are as clear as day. Wearing a green hooded sweatshirt, a man was caught on camera nonchalantly walking over to a rack, grabbing two armfuls of laundry detergent and running out. Moments later, he's seen returning to grab more merchandise. The video shows him running in and out of the store four times before leaving the store. Um, They came with a car. They put the car on the outside. They fill everything, grab everything. They put it in their car, then they go. They come without plate numbers, said the manager, This is a Sitco gas station near 27th and Capitol, really not that far from where we're sitting here. Several men were seen waiting for the suspect near gas pumps at the Sitco gas station. Some people would come with a gun. They would try to show the gun in front of us, says the owner. Despite the stores being busy and full of customers, video shows the crooks filling up backpacks, stealing Red Bull and other items. One suspect even went to the cooler to grab cases of food while another suspect stood by the office door so the clerk couldn't get out. It's a horrible situation. It's a scary environment, a fear kind of atmosphere, said the operator. Just blocks away. Similar thefts occurred at a Phillips 66 station on Tetonian Roosevelt. One man was even caught on camera showing his middle finger while filling up a crate. A few men grabbed what items they could and cleared out the shelves. The burglary only lasted a few minutes. Um, convenience store operator says, we know they know we're helpless. We can't fight with six to seven people. It seems um, Capital Pantry was also hit by the group as well. Employees believe the thieves are stealing the stolen goods, at, are selling the stolen goods. As they profit, the livelihoods of these small business owners are going right out the door. We lost almost a couple, couple thousand dollars says one of the convenience store operators. Police said they've received several calls about thefts from each of these businesses. They continue to look for suspects. (sighs) Milwaukee Alderman Ashanti Hamilton released a statement saying he's grateful no one was injured. Okay, all right. All right, so these people are being robbed. They're taking thousands of dollars. We can't control it, but we're grateful no one's being injured. And his office remains committed to targeting proven strategies to reduce and ultimately prevent these types of violent crime. All right. I don't know what that means. 
my proven strategy for reducing this type of violent crime is to target these people, catch them, and for the love of God, put them in prison for a long period of time so they cannot steal from honest people. All right, our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the amazing thing about this this story is, once again, you have a situation where the criminals, the criminals are the ones who are taking over the streets. These poor businesses, they are outmanned. They're out, I get it. You've got a convenience store clerk, you know, working, you know, behind the counter. You have five, six people run in, start filling up, you know, backpacks, grabbing stuff and heading out. You, they can't do anything. And the bad guys know that they cannot do anything. And it seems to me that unless we can, again, prioritize this, get more cops on the street. And this is this is happening in Capitol Drive, which isn't that far from where, again, not that far from where I'm broadcasting from. But, you know, what, what, what ends up having to happen here is you, you need a greater police presence. Um, you're, you're also... In a situation where, you know, maybe if the police can't help this, maybe what you need is it, it, you need a little bit of self-help. And maybe this is one where if you're going to run a convenience store in some high crime areas of the city of Milwaukee, you have to kind of take matters into your own hand, hire your own security guards, limit the number of people that can come into the store, only buzz people in. But this is just flat unacceptable. Who who can be expected to do business in this kind of environment? Let's talk to Dennis in Burlington. Dennis, you're at 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Uh, good morning. We were in Vietnam in, on a tour recently and, and encountered basically this. In Vietnam, they, it's a very, very pleasant country to visit, but theft is a problem. And the businesses respond by having guards. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, every business in certain areas of the cities have a guard, and they are assigned to protect customers and the goods in a particular store. It's a cost of doing business, yep. and I think that's the, that's yeah. the way you have to look at it in certain places in Milwaukee. It's just a cost of doing business. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I, I mean, you hate to say that. But you're almost, it is almost getting to that extent. You, you can't expect, you know, the clerk behind the counter who's making, you know, eight or nine dollars an hour, you can't expect them to take on, you know, five or six of these thugs that are coming in, you know, and stealing handfuls of stuff. You can't expect that from them. I, I think, I, I think you're, you're right. Obviously, the problem is so out of control that the police can't do anything to stop it. I, I don't know. The, the tr- it seems to me there's two choices. Number one is the business is closed down, or you're probably right. They, they end up, you have to hire security guards, um, and you have to, again, then pass the cost of that on to, unfortunately, on to the consumers. Yeah. Now, thanks to call 414-799-1620. Uh, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm trying to picture a situation where, okay, you stop off, you're putting gas in your car, you you walk in and you want to get a pack of cigarettes or some candy or some milk or whatever, and all of a sudden you have, the the door gets bum-rushed by four or five people who are just, they're looting the store. That's what they are doing. They are looting the store. They're caught on surveillance video, for Lord's sake, and, and, you know, they're they're proud of it. I'm looking at these pictures that they have on, uh, that they had on the news, and, and they're not even... 
at least in many cases, they're, they're, these 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 people are so bold, they're not even making efforts to conceal them to themselves. You can see who these people are, and obviously, at least in certain parts of the community, people don't care that they're in there looting and doing this type of stuff because they're still out on the street. Uh, Dave in Appleton. Dave, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Well, Jeff, this is why those of us that don't live in Milwaukee anymore grew up there, but you know, see it as, as you call it, the cesspool of the uh, southeastern Wisconsin here. Uh, your Detroit South. It's just, yeah. no one wants, this is why I don't go to Milwaukee unless I absolutely positively have to. Yes, to go see a Brewers game, yes. But, I mean, beyond that, to wander the streets of Milwaukee, no way. Or, 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 to, or to pull into gas stations on Capitol Drive, for goodness sakes. You know, that's a that always used to be a lovely neighborhood. There's wonderful houses and all. But, yeah, I mean, okay, it's a Sitco gas station on 27th the Capitol that's targeted and other ones. And, and apparently we are unable to we are unable to catch the people who are doing this. And, of course, the other truth then, Dave, is once even if you do catch them, you've got the catch and release system that exists in Milwaukee County that's going to turn them loose to go back and do it again and again and again. Well, and this is the thing. I don't understand where you have these aldermen's, what's his name, you just gave, you know, uh, why Hamilton. you aren't going, you know what, we need to do something about the youth, you know, right. the minority youth of Milwaukee, right? you know, period. Yeah. And start from when they're five years old and, you know, and like you said, and the ones that are just too far gone, if you're too far gone at 12 years old, you go to prison. Right. I'm sorry. Right. And, and, and stay right just to protect the rest of things. I mean, yeah, what, what a, what a namby pamby statement. As Shanti Hamilton, you know, who wants to be mayor, you know, he's, he's grateful no one was injured. Yeah, that, that's good. I'm, I, I'm grateful that as people are going into the stores that these businesses are trying to operate and try to carve out a living. Yeah, I'm grateful that nobody, you know, that the thugs didn't, you know, kill anybody or hurt anybody. That's good. That's good. But what a, his office, remains committed to targeting proven strategies that reduce and ultimately prevent these types of violent crime. Well, how about condemning this type of behavior, saying that this is unacceptable in the community, encouraging an increased police presence, encouraging that when people are caught, they are prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, and they do not have their wrists slapped by various judges in Milwaukee County. In other words, how about some accountability how about standing up for the law-abiding citizens, the businesses that are trying to eke out a living, you know, in these communities, and the people in the community who depend on having those businesses there? Is that too much to ask for? Maybe just a little bit of outrage? Just a little bit of outrage? Just asking. 945, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 949, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. From the traffic annoyance on the ride in every morning to that neighbor nuisance every weekend, today you get a chance to put it on the books. It's called Scafidi and Bill Stats. There ought to be a law feature. They will take your call starting at 2.07 here on WTMJ. Be sure to check that out. Well, um, the floodgates are starting to open. Um, There has... For years, the Milwaukee Common Council decided that they did not want to have a gentleman's club, a strip joint, um, in the heart of downtown, in the shadow of Grand Avenue, right across from the convention center. There are other strip clubs in the downtown area, 
and it's as I've said before, it's been decades since I have been in any of them. But um, they were sort of low rent places back in the day, and my guess is they probably haven't changed. Matter of fact, the carpet is probably still the same as as it was thirty or thirty five years ago. But the Common Council was was fighting that, and th- because because it is constitutionally protected. Um, essentially, they, they lost. I mean, the, the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee lost a million-dollar-plus lawsuit when they denied a, a gentleman's club who wanted to go in on 3rd Street. They've now cut a deal where there will be a, a strip joint. I understand some of the businesses in Grand Avenue are upset. I don't think it's that big a deal. I mean, candidly, if you go to many cities, you will find a place like that very near downtown convention centers because – it, it, it's designed to appeal to the conventioneers, to the visitors who, who want to go out and seek that kind of entertainment. And I, I understand that a lot of people don't like that form of entertainment and they just don't think it's right. But I, I don't think that this is going to I, – I would be surprised if this is a problem. And candidly, there's, I think, a lot of other types of venues that can cause – Actually, more more problems as far as police reports and things. But so so you're going to have the one strip club that's going in. But now the, the floodgates are open. Um, yesterday, the Milwaukee Licenses Committee denied an existing downtown nightclub's attempt attempt to offer adult entertainment, including strippers and burlesque shows. Uh, the Ladybug Club, six eighteen North Water was seeking to change its current operations to include burlesque shows as well as Chippendales and Thunder from Down Under male stripper reviews. Um, in in any event, the, the Common Council said no. The, this committee said no, we're not going to do that. Here's the interesting thing. The, the guy that represents that area, Alderman uh, Robert Bauman, who fought tooth and nail the other, the other strip joint from going in, um, you know, he apparently supported the Ladybug Club becoming a strip club. Hmm, wonder what's going on there. Bauman said the club had so many problems in the past that changing the type of entertainment it offers could reduce its negative impact. Um, all right, this is this whole thing is just kind of bizarre to me. If you've got a club that has been nothing but trouble in the past. The idea that you're going to make it better or more productive is by allowing it to become a quasi-strip joint. That makes no sense to me. I don't have as much concern about these operators of, like, the high-end gentlemen's club and stuff because, again, they're going to put a lot of money into this, and I think there's a certain environment they're going to create. But taking a problem bar and saying, here, we're going to open this up and now allow stripping there – and saying that's that's a better alternative. It, it is, I swear, I do not know what goes through the minds of some of these people we elect to office in the city of Milwaukee, or that you, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you elect. I mean, I'm, you're going to oppose the high end strip club, but then you're going to say, okay, we're going to take a problem place and we're going to allow that to offer, you know, nudity and stripping and stuff like that. <laughs> if it's a problem bar close it down i don't care whether it is a strip club i don't care whether it's a hip-hop club i don't care whether it's a corner bar i don't care whether it's a gay bar doesn't matter to me if it's a problem you, you close the darn thing down you don't say hey we've got a problem bar let's let's allow let's allow stripping that'll solve the problem well no if it's a problem bar it's always going to be a problem bar isn't it 954 jeff wagon hey when we come back 
Uh, does the punishment fit the crime? A really interesting story out of Green Bay and in Wauwatosa. One one playground is so out of control that officials have had to take some unique steps, and some people are unhappy. That is all coming up. Stick around. It's nine fifty four. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. Is it a simple lack of is a simple lack of talent the biggest threat to the economic growth in Milwaukee? John McCure goes in depth and has a possible solution. Three thirty four during Wisconsin's afternoon news today. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes. All right, it is a senior prank that has gotten some kids in trouble. They're not going to be allowed to participate in graduation. Some people think the punishment does not fit the crime. When is a prank? When is it vandalism? Have we lost our senses of humor? We will discuss. That's coming up. Stick around. It's 958. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 10.08. This is Jeff Wagner. Glad to have you with us. Wrightstown, Wisconsin is a community of a few thousand. It's between Appleton and De Pere. So that, that's to give you kind of an idea. They are in the news. Here's what happened. You have um, some students, 20 students at Wrightstown um, High School who were getting ready to graduate, planning to graduate at the end of this month. Apparently, as part of their senior prank, a group of about 20 students showed up outside the high school and made, this would be May 7th, um, toilet papered the trees and wrote graffiti on bricks outside the high school on May 7th. Um, the graffiti was written in chalk. So my, my understanding is that, that there's not permanent damage done. So you, you get a bunch of kids. They show up at night. The seniors, that's their senior prank. They, they TP the school and the, the outside of the school, and they write chalk on some of the bricks. What happens is, of so this is 20, five of the 20 students decide to take it a step further. They break into the school so they break into the school they get into the gym and apparently they they toilet paper the gym they throw more toilet paper around the gym and they move a series of of bleachers so they don't cause permanent damage to anything but they they do they have they physically enter the school, so they've broken into the school. The school takes a look at this, and and what they decide is that there's they're, they're going to use progressive discipline. And for the five kids who break into the school, they say, okay, we think what you did is more significant than just like throwing the toilet paper, and so you are not going to be allowed to participate in the May 26th graduation ceremony because, you know, you, you broke into the, the school. So that, that's it. They're not saying you're not going to get your degree. They're not saying you're not going to graduate. But they are saying, okay, you're, you're not going to be able to participate in graduation. Um, those kids have now gone public, and they think this is very unfair. One of the kids, one of the seniors banned from commencement, I'm looking at a story that the uh, Green Bay Press-Gazette had, We've been working hard for four years to get our diploma. Now our family and friends can't watch us. 
our parents, our grandparents, our aunts and uncles, none of them can come and watch. And some people are flying in. Uh, the students say the only damage done to the inside of the school was scattered toilet paper and moved bleachers that could easily be cleaned up. Um, one of the kids says, well, maybe it was wrong to do the prank, but it was meant to be lighthearted. Um, we just wanted to toilet paper and have fun before we graduated. We don't regret what it is that we ended up doing. Um, <clears throat> the school district, you know, uh, puts out a statement saying, we have such high expectations from our students, and more often than not, our students meet and often exceed those expectations. But it's so disappointing when students make decisions like the ones made on Sunday night. It not only impacts them, but their families, their classmates, and the entire school. It is my hope the students learn from the decision and begin to rebuild the trust that was damaged by their actions. That's a statement from the superintendent. Okay, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Senior pranks are not uncommon. Um, some are definitely more destructive than others. This does not sound like a particularly disrupt, destructive sort of, of, of thing. It's not like the school sustained thousands of dollars in damage. Obviously, there's some cleanup costs that are associated with this. Inside the school itself, it doesn't appear that there was any damage done to the school. There's the toilet papering. They moved the bleachers. But the school says, hey, you broke into the school, and that's why we are treating you five different than the other people who are outside just throwing the toilet paper and stuff, and you're not going to be allowed to participate in graduation. All right, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't think the school's position is unreasonable, but some people might disagree. And if the kids are unhappy that, hey, now their parents can't watch them graduate and their aunts and uncles were going to fly in and now they can't see them, I think they need to look in the mirror and figure that they're the ones that that's because of them. Is this an unreasonable reaction on the part of the school? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I actually think this is a pretty measured response that differentiates between the kids who are outside and the kids who actually broke into the, the school. And I think it's also, as penalties go, it's not that tough a penalty. Again, it's not like they're denying them diplomas or anything like that. But what do you think? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1014 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Ten sixteen, Jeff Wagner, stock market Dow down two hundred and forty, Nasdaq down a hundred. I don't think there's any economic news. I think it's just political turmoil and fear that uh, that the Trump administration is so off track that a lot of the economic things that they were going to push through might not happen. So, um, right now we're talking about this decision, Wrightstown, small community um, between again Appleton and De Pere. Uh, a week ago, May 7th, so you know, a week ago Sunday, a bunch of kids decide, they go out, it's a senior prank, they TP the outside of the school, they write, in, they write stuff on the bricks in chalk, that's going to wash off. I don't think there's any permanent damage. Five of the 20 break into the school, they go into the gym, they throw toilet paper, they move bleachers. No permanent damage to the school, I don't think, other than that. The school district says these five that busted into the school, 
they cannot participate in graduation. And now they're going public, the kids, complaining. Well, you know, I've, I've worked for four years to get my degree. My parents want to see me. My grandparents want to see me. My aunts and uncles, they were flying in, and now we can't participate. All right. My response is, maybe you should have thought of that before you busted into the school. Let's start with Debbie in Waukesha. Debbie, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Debbie. There's absolutely nothing wrong with what the school did. I think that's great. When my kids graduated from high school, they went to Hamilton in Sussex. And the same thing happened. There was a food fight one year, and they were not allowed to participate in graduation. And what the principal did was told the, made the kids come into the office, explained it to them, and made them call their parents from the office and explain it. And the parents were pissed. I mean, really ticked off. Mm-hmm. But um, the way yeah. the school board said is, Graduation ceremony is not your right. Mm-hmm. Getting your diploma is your right. To, and if you, we can't trust you to behave at this, how can we trust you to behave at graduation and ruin it for everybody else? Well, I think Absolutely there's... Absolutely right. Yeah, no, thanks. What they did. Yeah, I, I guess. And see, I think there's also... There's an element of punishment here. There is probably also an element of, of deterrence. They want to, I hate the phrase, send a message, but I think they want to send a message to future you know, groups that, look, it, it, we, we appreciate senior pranks, but at the same time, if you bust into, a school, into the school, that's taking this to a different level. Because even though when you guys did it, you might not have done anything terribly destructive in the gym, but who's to say that the next group of people, when they bust in, that they're not going to do more damage? So we're just saying, don't do this. And again, I, I think it's a relatively modest penalty. My, if I, there, There's all sorts of things that could have potentially been done, and maybe I would take the other side. But they're simply saying, in this case, for the kids that broke into the school, you don't get to participate in graduation. And for the moms and dads and the aunts and uncles and the grandparents who are upset about that, well... You shouldn't necessarily be upset with the school. In my opinion, you should be upset with, you know, with the kids. Let's talk to Rose in Cudahy. Rose, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, Rose. Um, I couldn't agree with you or the previous caller more. Um, A prank is a prank, but they broke the law. They broke into a public building, and I think that's the bigger picture here. They're lucky the school district is not pressing charges against them because if they broke into my home or another building, they yeah. would be pressing charges. So I think that's the bigger point is they've broken into a building that's more than just a senior prank. Does the fact that they didn't have any malicious intent, does that change at all? Because that's what the kids are saying. Hey, we, we, maybe we got a little bit carried away, but we, we weren't really, we didn't cause any damage. This was all kind of part and parcel of the prank. Does that carry any weight with you? I don't think so. What if they broke into a different building that wasn't their school and the, the police caught them? You know, that, that has an impact. That's something... Some harm could have been done to them if the police would have been called, and then their parents would have been calling, oh, the police, they're you know, right. harming my children. If something unfortunate would have happened, uh, they set off alarms, probably emergency right. response teams were called. So, you know, it has a bigger impact on everybody, not just these five individuals. Yeah, I mean, I mean, see, there's a whole other question out there, and and my understanding is there haven't been charges issued now, but the police are investigating the incident, and I I guess there's always the possibility that they could issue citations for, you know, breaking and and entering or or maybe disorderly conduct or or something like that. I I don't know that you need to do that. I mean, I I guess I I don't know that you need to do that, but I, I do think 
and mark the tape on this one. I think the school, again, is handling this from the school's perspective. I think they're they're handling it appropriately. Do I think the kids need to get a citation? Well, I, no, I'm not sure what that accomplishes. But I do think that there needs to be some degree of penalty. And, again, this is one where anybody who's upset with what the kids did well, you need to be upset with the kids, not with the school's reaction to this. And again, I think I think this is measured. Lori in Fredonia. Lori, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Now, I agree with a lot of the callers. Yes, they did something wrong. Uh, obviously, now they realize it impacted them. Um, I, it sounds like the school does not mean to punish them. What I would suggest is that maybe they sit down with these five kids and say, okay, what do you think your punishment would be? Yeah. Uh, maybe you can put in 30 hours, 25, 30 hours. You go out there and clean every window in the school. You wax these bleachers. You do all the work to make this ceremony and the school really look good that they just couldn't afford to pay for or couldn't afford to have mm-hmm. the time for. Because it sounds like nobody really wants to punish anybody or have something on a record. At- yeah, Um yeah, I mean, I, I think, see, I guess I think about this. There's all sorts of ways that you could handle this, you know, cl- clean up after yourselves and things like that. And I, and I appreciate that, but, but I don't think this is an unreasonable position to take. And there, again, there, there's all sorts of things you could do, you know, the community service in order to walk at graduation. But, but this is, this distinguishes between the kids who were on the outside and the kids who were on the inside. I, again, Schools, a lot of times, I think, overreact to stuff, and I've been the first to criticize schools when they do that. I don't think this is the case, though, and, and candidly, for the Wrightstown Five, well, I think you get what you deserve, and, and maybe there's a, a lesson here, and I don't think this is the type of vandalism that you see sometimes with these so-called kind of pranks, but still, you busted into the school. You, you have to recognize that there were going to be some consequences. You get your diploma and learn from it. Move on. 1023, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1026, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Help us complete the memorial to a local military legend as we continue our WTMJ Cares initiative. We're going to be doing a special radiothon. It's going to be beginning at 830 this Friday. It's your chance to contribute to our goal of completing the new memorial for Medal of Honor recipient Lance Sijon at Mitchell International Airport. Keep listening for more details about how you can donate and learn more about Lance Sijon, his story, and his lasting legacy by clicking on the WTMJ Cares link at WTMJ. WTMJ.com. I know this one is uh, near and dear, in particular, to the heart of our very own Gene Miller. So, and, and even though we're doing the Radiothon on Friday to help us hopefully get over the top and the money we're trying to raise, you don't have to wait to Friday to donate. Go to WTMJ.com, click on the WTMJ Cares link, and you can see how you can end up doing it. Just a couple... <laughs> A couple final thoughts on on what we were talking about the the punishment for these kids in Wrightstown, and it's I just I, I'm, I'm just kind of looking at at the split. Our, our text line sort of I mean our text line more than sort of our text line um, exploded. But, but just to give you an idea of some of the different opinions on this, Greg and Racine texts: These kids should have thought about the possible punishment ahead of their stupid stunt. Their parents' relatives should be more disappointed with their behavior that led to this. Jan says it's called breaking and entering. Most people do time for that crime. Well, maybe. Carol says it's a light punishment. I'd push for tickets for all charges of breaking and entering. If I did it, I'd be arrested for sure. But then the other perspective is, you know, Kim says, um, Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, kids steal cars with reckless abandon. This is way overboard for no permanent damage. 
Well, I, she raises an interesting point. As as we know, on the mean streets of the city of Milwaukee, you know, if you're a 12 or a 13 year old, you can go out, you can steal multiple cars, and little, if anything, is going to happen to you. And I I understand that that is appalling. Um, what was the story we had yesterday? Oh, the the high speed chase in Menominee Falls the other day. You know, a 13, a 14, and a 15 year old, 10:30 in the morning on a school day. You know, they're driving a stolen car, fleeing from the the police. And you're right. If if the crime had been committed, particularly in Milwaukee County, probably nothing would have happened to him since the crime, you know, originated in either Washington County or um, uh, Waukesha County. There might be different sort of consequences. So I, I understand all that. And I understand the point that, you know, obviously you have different issues with bad behavior. But just because in the city of Milwaukee or Milwaukee County, we take juveniles who commit serious crimes and we just kind of laugh it off even though it's not funny and this is one where the court system and the politicians are way behind where the general public is on this issue that doesn't mean that you can't have any sort of standards and yeah because we slapped the wrist of car thieves in milwaukee at least in my opinion doesn't mean that it's it's wrong to impose what i think is actually light discipline um, you're, you, you can't participate in graduation for breaking into the school, regardless of whether or not you did permanent damage or not. Now, I think the uh, superintendent got this one correct. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes, controversy involving a local playground. I'll tell you the story and get your reaction. It is fascinating. It's 1035, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Okay, Roosevelt Elementary School is in uh, Wauwatosa. It's it's on right, it's off of 76, it's on Wright Street. Wright Street, off of 76th Street, kind of between Center and North Avenue, if you can kind of picture it if you know know the area. All right, he, here's the deal. They have they have a playground at Roosevelt Elementary. And what they have begun doing, what school officials have begun doing, is they have become, they've begun locking up the basketball hoops. How do you, on the playground, how do you lock up a basketball hoop? What they do is they, they take like a metal bar and they put it over the basket. So you, you can't, if, if you shoot the ball, it, it won't go in. So they, they've started locking this up. Now you might say, Jeff, I've never heard of anything like this. Why Why in the world would you come out and, and lock up the basketball hoops? Now, they only do this after after school hours. And there was a story, I mean, Fox 6 had it, about how, you know, some people are, are, are complaining that, hey, you know, we would often see, you know, teenagers coming. They would go onto the playground. Um, you know, they'd be playing basketball. There's always kids there. And, um, you know, this is, of course, this is important. It's a great activity because even though there's a couple parks in the immediate area, none of those parks have basketball hoops. So this is just where the kids kind of, of, of gravitate. So why is it that school officials would decide to block the nets and effectively make the, this basketball, this, this school playground unusable for hoops? Well, okay, here, here's what the school says. Neither the Wauwatosa School District or Roosevelt Elementary School have received any complaints from our community. This is in response to the news media looking into it about the basketball hoops being locked after school hours. The complaints we have received are from Roosevelt students and parents concerned about the behavior, which has included fights 
and profane language on the basketball courts after school while elementary age children are still trying to play on the playground. Several steps were taken to try and curtail the behavior on the courts. Locking the hoops was done after other attempts were unsuccessful. It is by no means a long-term solution. It's a temporary step to try to improve behavior for anyone who plays on the courts. At the end of the day, the courts are on school property. There is an expectation that appropriate language and behavior be used so that the environment is family-friendly and appropriate for anyone who comes to enjoy the facilities. All right, so let let me interpret what I think is happening. You've got the elementary school. You've got the elementary school playground. What is happening is after school hours, but while kids might still be on the playground, you have presumably older kids, young adults, who are coming to play basketball. And they have had problems there with fights and cursing and things like that. They say they've tried other things to try to deal with this. And finally, this is just the easiest thing to do. You know, we don't want to have fights on the playground. We don't want to have the elementary school kids on the playground having, you know, people who are fighting and screaming and cursing or whatever. So if people can't behave, we're just going to take away the the hoops, not physically, but put them so they can't be used. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Once again, I don't think this is a bad reaction. I think this is a completely and totally appropriate reaction by school officials and by the school district. First of all, it's not a public park. You know, it's a school playground. We are talking about after hours. And if people are coming into that playground and they are not able to behave themselves and you've tried less restrictive measures, yeah, it's unfortunate. It's too bad. But I don't have an issue with doing this. The problem is the bad behavior of the people. John in West Dallas. John, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. You know, this is happening all over. It's for years. Uh, Tabaki on Holly Road, all your public schools are taking their hoops down Mm -hmm. because of all the trouble that it's bringing in. Um, My son was just, or my grandson was just on the basketball court on Zabaki a week ago, and they came by and sold his basketball. Um, You you know, if you you take this back a couple steps, when we grew up, we had playgrounds, we had supervision, and that's what, these kids have nowhere to go, though. That's the same shame, and... But we need supervision. We need our playgrounds right. brought back, the bowling pins, making keychains. You know, interaction with. Well, there, right there, there's all yeah, I, but I mean, th- I mean, but th- there's all sorts of things. But there, there, there's there's still stuff to do. The, the, this is the problem here is this is bad behavior, and they're trying to deal with bad behavior. And I guess one way to one way to deal with it would be to have somebody to pay somebody to monitor this, and every time you have somebody that gets out of control. You call the police or do something like that, but that's expensive and not necessarily practical. So what what they're trying to do is just get this under control. Now, after the school year ends, maybe they'll do it. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll. Maybe it's not as much of an issue after the school year ends when you don't have the elementary school kids that are getting out and you know just on the playground afterwards. But I mean, if I was a parent in that area, and I had a I don't know. I had a young kid who was, you know, after school, going to hang out, play on the playground. And you had a bunch of guys who were getting into fights or who were doing whatever or yelling and cursing on the on the elementary school playground. Yeah, I'd be upset about it. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it happens. But, 
you know, it's it's not. This is just how you have to react. And yes, it is unfortunate that you have. I guess that there's other parks around that don't have basketball hoops. But if if it's attracting a problem, you know, if you're attracting a problem crowd, you, you got to deal with it. Heather in Oak Creek. Heather, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hi, uh, I heard your story, and it just um, I just really wanted to share. Uh, we had a similar experience, unfortunately, in West Dallas. Um, my son had built a playground for Jefferson Elementary um, School, $129,000 playground for his Eagle Scout project. Oh, and your son's an Eagle Scout. You must be very proud of him. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, worked really hard. Anyway, yep. um, when, uh, the point of the playground was to encourage play and, and uh, sure. bring the community together and all these wonderful things. And part of the playground, um, this school had uh, in a similar area multiple basketball courts and unfortunately those basketball courts attracted all kinds of individuals into the wee hours of the night mm-hmm. which disturbed the the area community sure um people swearing people uh, yeah. uh you know all just kinds bad, of all sorts of bad behavior right yeah bad behavior scaring people away from the uh, families away from the playground and and uh, uh, noise to all hours of the night and their response um, at Jefferson Elementary, unfortunately, was to take out one of the basketball hoops. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't attractive to people to be able to play on the full court. Right. And I just I thought it was an incredibly sad, you know, situation because we want children playing, but unfortunately, yeah. that's how they had to handle that situation. And yeah, um, I'm not sure if there's a better answer to it, but. It's sad that that's what you have to do. You, well, it, right, it is. I mean, it, the only other answer, unfortunately, is again to, to spend the money probably to hire a guard or a monitor or you know to have, to have some cops there or something on a constant basis. But that's expensive and that's a difficult thing. And he, I, I don't know that you can expect the school to do that. You're, right? It's a sad thing, but but. I, just like your situation, I mean, you know, your, your son does this, this wonderful thing and you provide this, but if people are going to abuse it, sometimes this is unfortunate. Everybody loses because you've got the people that don't know how to behave. Yeah, no, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, it's, and, and again, I'm not going to criticize the, the school. I think what the school is doing is, again, it's a, a tempered sort of reaction. They're, they're saying this isn't necessarily permanent. Like I say, I'm going to be curious to see what happens, you know, whether they change it in the summer. Because right now their concerns are after school, elementary school kids on the playground interacting with some people, not all people, but some who just apparently don't know how to behave. Pat on the northwest side. Pat, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. The problem over here turned out to be young people hanging from the nets to the point where the school couldn't any longer keep replacing the nets Mm -hmm. and replacing the nets and replacing the nets. And now these young men have nowhere to go play ball because there's no nets here. All summer, all spring, nothing there for them anymore because they couldn't stop tearing the nets. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and so whose fault is that, I guess? Can you blame the parks? Can you blame the school district for that? Uh, yeah. I, I blame the young people who yeah. think they should be hanging from them, you know. Yeah, no, that that, that that's it, and I, 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 you you want thanks you thanks about you you want look. I appreciate that you want places for people to to be able to go, and you want them to have you know be able to have activities. And I understand basketball is one of these things that bring people together, but. But there is always a balancing. Now, I live, I want to say, I live four or five blocks away from a a small park where they've got, 
They've got some tennis courts, and they've got a playground, and they've got you know a, a basketball court. And um, I, I'm not aware. Now I don't live right across the street from it, but I, I'm I'm not aware of like you know ongoing problems. Every time I drive by, you see a couple of kids playing. What they've done though there is when they reconfigured the park. It used to be just like she was talking about. It used to be something you could play full court at, but now they've cut it down to half court. But you have people that are shooting hoops and stuff. But at the same time, you know if if people can't behave well what's going to happen is you're going to lose some privileges phil in wauwatosa phil you're on 620 wtmj good morning good morning we are a small lutheran school in uh milwaukee in a neighborhood we had the our biggest problem was loud music okay uh, on the court so people would come and they'd have their boom boxes or whatever and crank them up okay it's right in a neighborhood and I, I think the neighbors would could have even lived with the shooting, you know, yeah. the ball hitting the basket. But right. the music, and our pastor lived across the street, and he'd walk over and ask him nicely to turn the music down, and it'd be down for ten minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they th- okay, he's going back. Yeah. And and so what? Ha- so ultimately, did they have to just close down the playground? How did they do we it? T- we took the hoops off. Took them off. Okay. Very sadly, yes, we took the hoops off because, yeah. Right. Well, right. Well, right. It, it's not. Yeah, you, you want to do something nice, and you want to let it let the community use it and all. But if it becomes a, a nuisance at some point in time, you can't expect your pastor to essentially spend all his free time standing there trying to monitor the playground from people who are coming in and using it. It's just if yep. you if you can't use something, you end up losing it. Thanks for calling. So, I mean, look, I, I maybe there's other things that they can do because I understand you need to have places to go. But again, for people who might be upset with the fact that they've now blocked off the, these particular hoops so that they can't be used to play basketball in off hours, well, don't blame the school district. You know, don't blame the school. Blame the people who don't know how to behave. 1050, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Let me give you context on a story. that The headlines, the screaming headlines in a number of the newspapers or on some of the websites, violent sex offenders could live near schools under Wisconsin proposal. Budget move would let Wisconsin sex offenders live closer to schools, daycare centers. And you might be thinking, what are those incredible, what are those evil Republicans doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's something, actually, if you understand what is going on, it is something that that needs to be done. Here's the deal. There's, there's a state law that says that sex offenders, child predators, who are, they've, who've completed their sentences, and now have to be released. But they're in like the final stages, so they're going to be on their final stages of parole or whatever. There's a state law that says they can't be put within 1,500 feet of schools, child care facilities, public parks, or places of worship, 1,500 feet. And you might say, okay, well, that, that, that sounds good. Well, here's the problem. In, in urban areas like Milwaukee, it is almost impossible to find an area that's not within 1,500 feet of a school, a child care facility, a church, or a public park. I mean, they're just, it, it's just, you, that, that's such a broad category that you can't find places. And then, of course, you know, you need, it's, then it's not just like, it, it can't be like in a business district or something. It needs to be some place where the sex offender w- would go. So what's happening is these requirements are so stringent as far as the distance that you have judges who are 
dumping sex offenders either in certain areas of, for example, Milwaukee, certain narrow areas where there might be housing, um, there might be housing, but they don't fit into one of these categories. So that neighborhood gets swamped with them. Or what they're doing is they're dumping them on other counties. A lot of times the less urban counties where maybe there is a little bit more space. So you have Again, let's take the example, you know, you have a sex offender or child predators from Milwaukee who are being, you know, placed, you know, halfway across the state where they don't know anybody. Um, It's not where they're from. So they're into these other communities. What this bill would do is it would remove this 1,500 feet requirement. Um, It says, though, that officials, you you would be able, as a factor, you would be able to consider proximity to a park, a child care facility, a school, a church, whatever. But but it wouldn't be the be all end all. It wouldn't be this idea that, you know, if it's within this fifteen hundred feet, automatically you couldn't put them there. You know, in addition, this would require convicted sex offenders um, to, to go back to where they came from. So it would eliminate the we're going to dump People, for example, you know, from Milwaukee, we're going to dump them, you know, somewhere three quarters of the way around the state. Rather, we're going to send them back to their their home area. Um, This is something, again, that makes a lot of sense to me because what's been happening is these restrictions. And I get why they have the restrictions, but they're so tight. They're so narrow that you, you have some of these sex offenders who are being released and they can't find any place for them. So they end up being homeless for a while and wandering around. That's not an accurate solution as well. That this this is a law, and I understand the headlines, and maybe you read it. Violent sex offenders could live near schools under Wisconsin proposal. Well, okay, y- yes, maybe they live within a thousand feet instead of fifteen hundred and one feet, but but that's only after you know they've decided that that's appropriate. But unless they do something. There's not going to be anywhere for these people to go. And I'm not sympathetic to the child predators and the sex offenders, but the truth of the matter is once they've served their sentence, they have to be released, and you have to have a place to put them. And unfortunately, this kind of arbitrary limit has consolidated the places where you can put them if you want to have them, for example, in an urban area like Milwaukee, so that they're just narrow areas where they can be, or it's required, you know, placing people three quarters of the way around the state. Those aren't acceptable solutions. This this is a measure which makes eminent sense despite what the headline might say. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Baseball America revealed their updated top 100 prospects list, and six names in the Brewer system are on it. Will we see some of those names up in Milwaukee anytime soon? Matt Pauley goes through the roster this evening. Tune in Sports Central, 635 tonight. Uh, Brewers, big win yesterday. This I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I don't know that this team is going to make the playoffs, but it, it's fun. And as a huge baseball fan, I just I remember how frustrated I've been the last couple years where essentially by this time of the baseball season, let, let's be honest, last year, two years ago, they weren't in contention. They had such miserable Aprils. You win five games or however many games they won. You know, they, they played themselves out of contention. You know, here, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But again, we're in the middle of May. They are close to close to the first place St. Louis Cardinals. They're playing good baseball. They're playing fun baseball. It's great to listen to and uh, tune into the coverage. Again, they play in San Diego uh, tonight. All right, coming up in just a couple minutes. I admit I'm fascinated by pop culture and how things change. Um, if, if you worked at ESPN, it was a license to print money 
up until recently. ESPN's changed. Things have changed. They're trying to salvage the network. I don't think it's going to work. We're going to talk about that. And why is it that only B-listers are emerging to run against Scott Walker? We'll discuss that as well. Stick around. It's 11.08. Glad to have you with us. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, 79 degrees outside. Huh. Enjoy it. I think it's uh, sounds like Saturday is going to be a really crummy day, uh, rain all day, and I think we we go back to more of the springtime weather. Hopefully, we'll be able to avoid some severe weather this afternoon. But keep listening to WTMJ. We'll continue to keep you a- advised as to whether or not we get some storms. Sure, rain the other night. It was just my little dog just freaked out. Uh, sure, rained. All right. Up until I, I, I admit. I'm just as somebody who like watches the pop culture and and watches how things change. I, I'm always amazed at how how stuff e- evolves, how things that are so popular one day just fall out of fashion the, the next. And and I, I mean, you, you can look at so many things. I mean, if you are of a certain age, you know, newspapers were a big thing. Now the newspaper industry, at least the the old-fashioned newspaper industry about, you know, getting the papers delivered to your home and things like that, it's in the toilet. I mean, there, there's just people people have changed the way that they want to get information. It's not that the information that they put out in newspapers isn't something people want, but but they don't want it. They want it on the Internet. They want it 24-7, and they want to get it when they, they get it. Same thing is true, um, again, the way the way we watch movies or things like that. It used to be, or, or you get music, it used to be there were things like record stores or CD stores where you would go and you'd, you'd wait till the new release came out, and then you'd get it home and you'd listen to the album or you'd listen to the CD. Now, you know, it, it's all MP3s. Uh, Blockbuster Video used to be a license to print money, and now... You know, good luck trying to find, you know, a, a video rental store. I mean, I understand there's some out there, but it's it's not like it was. And the same thing is true with regard to our tastes and how we consume things. For years and years, and we've talked about this occasionally on the program, um, the, the gold standard when it came to TV programming was ESPN. Every cable network, every satellite network had to have ESPN because everybody wanted ESPN. And ESPN got that. And ESPN started charging satellite and cable providers accordingly. You know, if you look at all the channels that you have on your, on your assuming that you haven't cut the cord yet, all the channels you have, the way it works is that the providers, the, the people that, for example, own ESPN, they charge the cable provider or they charge the satellite provider X amount of dollars to carry ESPN. And then what happens is the cable provider or the satellite provider then passes it on to us, the the consumer, and we're paying for that. But it it used to be that ESPN had all all the power because more so than any other channel, people wanted ESPN. And if you were going to have a satellite network or you were going to have a cable network, you had to have ESPN and ESPN2 and ESPN, you know, whatever, this, that, and the other thing. And because people were fascinated by sports, they could not get enough of sports. So what ESPN did is they invested big time. They grossly overpaid for the right to carry one NFL game. They've uh, probably overpaid for the rights to carry, you know, basketball games. But they, they've invested big time. Well, now what's happening is... 
people's people have shifted. People don't want ESPN as much. People don't care. And what built ESPN, at least in my opinion, what was the highlight packages. I mean, that's what at least I always used to use ESPN for. Hey, you know, you can tune in, you can watch their their sports center, and over the course of an hour, you you can see. You know, you, you can see the highlights from all the different baseball games that are out there. You know, you can see the highlights, the great shots in the golf tournament. It, it was the highlights package. Well, what has happened is you don't have to go to ESPN to get that information anymore. You've got the various, whether it's the NFL Network or Major League Baseball Network or the NBA Network or whatever, if you want to... If you want to see highlights of games, you know, you can go to those dedicated channels and, and you you can watch them because that's the programming. Alternatively, um, now with internet streaming, you 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 know you you don't have to you don't have to wait till ten o'clock when SportsCenter comes on if you want to see the highlights from the Mets Cardinals game, for example. It's readily available to you, you know. Um, through the internet on your phone, you know you, you you can watch it anytime you want, and as a result, more and more people have decided we, we don't need ESPN. So ESPN is struggling with trying to figure out how to be relevant in this new media environment. And big story in the New York Times, ESPN is trying to figure out how to do this. The headline is ESPN is betting on big personalities to restore its fortunes. Just weeks after ES, this is the way the story starts. Just weeks after ESPN laid off about a hundred journalists and on-air commentators, the worldwide leaders in sports unveiled a new programming slate on Tuesday, filled with big personalities, but short on the kind of highlight shows that, for many years, were the foundation of the network. Um, and it goes on to talk about how you know on these different different shows, most of the new shows aren't going to be ones that, that talk about, again, or focus on the highlights. They're going to try to, you know, identify a couple of their, like, prominent anchors, and then what they're going to do is they're going to try to turn them into, I don't know, kind of entertainment sort of things a- as well. But they're getting away from this basic model that they're about showing highlights. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I... I I always try to be open to change, and I understand where people have to, to do different models for things. And I understand that, for example, if, if you want to think about something, think about MTV. And, you know, MTV first started off by doing music videos, and now they've morphed into something that's unrecognizable from what they, they originally were to the point that MTV now has like an MTV retro channel where they, you know, they show music videos. But ESPN is, thinks that the way they grow the network is to get away from the bread and butter highlights and to try to go to more of an entertainment thing featuring, I don't know, um, some of the personalities. I think this is doomed to fail. <laughs> I, I just do. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is going to go down as being the, the, the new Coke. I, I, I just, I do. But maybe I'm wrong. 414-799-1620. The Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Well, this, this idea of moving away from highlight shows and instead talk shows, personality-driven discussion shows, is that the way, is that going to save ESPN? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, please hold on.
1118, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Love the new bumper music. Just absolutely love the new bumper music. From that traffic annoyance on the ride in every morning to the neighbor nuisance every weekend. Today, you have a chance to put it all in the books. It's graffiti and bill stats. There ought to be a law feature. They will take your calls starting at 207 here on WTMJ. Um, be sure to check that out. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think what ESPN is trying to do is just... It's doomed to fail. I I just do. Um, Chris says, just like MTV that played videos in the past, which, of course, stopped, ESPN is being obsoleted out. People have new venues for media info. ESPN ran its course. Little changes make big impacts. I agree with that. I agree with that completely. It was a great idea. It was a license to print money for the longest period of time. But the truth of the matter is, you know, and, and what's, what makes it so difficult for Disney, which owns ABC and owns ESPN, is that, you know, Disney theme parks are doing well. I think their, their motion pictures are, are doing well also. But um, such a big part of the company is their, their TV, their broadcast side. And ESPN was the crown jewel in that for the, the longest the, for the longest time. And I agree with uh, our texter, Chris. I, it's just, in my opinion, it's kind of run, it's sort of run its course. As we've talked about on this program before, one of the things, one of the reasons advertisers pay a boatload of money to advertise on live sports is because it's one of the few things that's not really subject to time shifting. For, for many, many people, they, we don't watch shows in real time anymore. What we do is we, we DVR the shows, you watch them at your time, and you go back, and then a lot of times you skip through commercials if, if, if you want. So, you know, in order to get around that time shifting, um, live sports, it's one of the very few things that people generally don't do. I mean, if there's a Packers game on, you, you don't. Yes, you, you can you can DVR it, but in general, you want to watch it live, and that means that you're going to be watching the commercials live. Yeah, you can go to the bathroom, you can go to the kitchen during them, but you're you're the gen, generally speaking, you know, if you are watching live, if you're watching sports, you want to watch it live. You don't want to find out if the you know you don't want to go back and watch the Brewers game five hours after it occurred. You know, you you want to watch it to see how they do. Packers game, the same thing. Yeah, maybe if you can't watch it because you're somewhere else, you know, you've got your cousin's wedding, so you're there at the wedding reception, and you can't watch the game, well, okay, then maybe you're going to watch it. But most people, you want to watch it in real time, which is why advertisers pay so much, which is why I think ESPN decided, okay, we're going to pay these huge rights fees to get the rights to these things. But uh, the, the truth is, beyond the games, that the highlight thing that's run its course, and if the idea is you know you can somehow reinvent this network by you know giving us more Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser or things like that, uh, good good luck with that. Speaking of Disney, I they're they have been hacked. Now this 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 Disney hack has nothing to do with you know what happened the cyber attack that hit many people's computers or many businesses all across the world last week. But it, it's no secret that you have hackers that are out there who are trying to get into digital records and and it nowadays whether it's a TV station whether it's a TV show or whether it's a film 
it, it's it, it's all done by computer. It's all done you know digitally. It's not like the old days where you you'd shoot a movie and you have all these cans of film. And what you do is you you know would have somebody sitting in the editing room actually physically splicing tapes together and things like that. And then you'd send the reels of film out to be duplicated and you send them around the country. Now it's all digital. I mean, and and all the like the TV shows you know they're 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 recorded. And then what happens is they go to the place they're they're sent digitally to the place to add sound effects and then the place to add music and, and all that. And it's all computerized. But the problem with that is since you know, all the people who work in the industry have this stuff on their computers, they're vulnerable to hacking. And you have some very, very good hackers that are out there and what they're trying to do is they're trying to to, to steal the property. And you saw this happen with uh, Netflix, the um, Orange is the New Black, which is one of their shows, where they were hacked into. You had these hackers that said, unless you give us a bunch of money, we're going to start releasing this on, on the Internet before you release it and we'll cost you all sorts of money. Um, same thing is happening apparently to Disney. Over the Memorial Day weekend, um, Disney's big summer film is the latest Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And apparently hackers have gotten access to that and they've demanded a boatload of money from Disney or else they say what they're going to start doing is they're going to start releasing the, the movie in bits and pieces before, I mean, the uh, the movie comes out in theaters. So that's how they're going to hurt Disney. To their credit, and, and the part of the other problem is that this is a significant crime, but unfortunately it's almost impossible to catch who, who did this because it is the World Wide Web, and you could have – people you know sitting in their parents basement in Poland or you could have people sitting in Egypt you just don't know who's doing this and it's very very difficult to catch them um, so unfortunately the companies have to play defense you know they, they can't really look to law enforcement to kind of help them out what they have to do there's really not much they can do other than trying to make sure that their systems can't be hacked into and unfortunately you know, every time they come up with a protective thing, what happens is somebody develops a new way of doing that. But what what's interesting here is Disney, to its credit, is saying we're not going to pay the ransom. You know, do, we are we are not going to pay you money. You do whatever. Now here's where it becomes interesting, and it becomes all of our responsibilities. And I understand that this is just kind of pie in the sky, but you know, I think Disney is doing the right thing. Because you, you don't pay ransom because that just that encourages hackers to continue to do this if they think that they can make a living doing it. Um, but the flip side of this is if people don't download the hacked stuff, if people don't say, oh, okay, now the stuff that's been illegally taken, now it's up on the web, I'm going to rush and I'm going to watch it instead of going and paying money to see the movie. If people don't participate, if people don't take advantage of, of using this proprietary information that's been stolen, maybe, just maybe, it might discourage hackers from doing that in the future. You know, we see this play out a lot. You know, in newspapers now, the Journal Sentinel's doing this series now, they came into all the, into access, they got access to all this information that was stolen from the Bradley foundation it was stolen they didn't steal it but it was stolen and now they're trying to make money by writing stories based on the stolen information it is not against the law to do that i think it's unethical but but that's just me and it's certainly not stopping that behavior from going on but the bottom line is for those of us who are troubled by hacking and things like that we have a way of not participating and that's okay we're not going to pay attention we're not going to 
rely on people that are trying to profit from the stolen information. And, you know, whether that might be, you know, not downloading you know, bootleg copies of Orange is the New Black or not going and trying to watch Pirates of the Caribbean instead of buying it at the theater, that's that's the way that we can respond to that. And I know it's a lot to ask, but it seems to me... That's how we handle it. All right. Why is it that nobody but a bunch of B-listers are talking about running against Governor Walker? Stick around. It's 1126. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It is 1135, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. The Boston Celtics are in the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're also slotted to pick first overall in June's NBA draft. How does something like that happen? Um, are they the next domino the Bucks will have to knock over? Matt Pauley dives in tonight. Sports Central, tune in at 7.07. All right, uh, Monday evening, I, I emceed this event at the Wisconsin Club, a big banquet in connection with the Armed Forces Week. It's just um, a wonderful sort of event. And in the audience were several people who I think are considering running for the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate against Tammy Baldwin when she's up for re-election in November of 2018. There are already, whether they've announced or not, there are already at least one, two, three, there's at least four people who are, are definitely running, ranging from business people to um, uh, people outside of politics to, you know, Leah Vukmir. I think she's going to get in the race. She will be a formidable candidate. So there, there's a number of people who have already decided that they're, they're going to get into the race. There's also a, a number of other very qualified people who are kind of on the periphery of the race. And I will tell you, what's, what's going on now is I know people are, are hiring fundraisers. They're, they're enlisting supporters. This is going on, and we're sitting here in May of 2017, um, knowing that the race, you know, the primary is going to be in, in 2018. You know, but, but a year out. You know, people are mobilizing, which is what you have to do. You have to line up supporters. You have to start the process of raising money. You have to begin getting your name out there, I guess, in, unless you're just somebody that's so you know, freakishly rich that you can come in like Herb Cole did when he first got elected. And just and, and even then, Herb Cole, you know, people knew who he was because of his you know, connection with the, with the grocery stores and things like that. But, but in general, you, you have to unless you're Herb Cole, unless you're Donald Trump, and you can kind of self-finance and do those things, you need to start laying the groundwork. And I will tell you, it's going to be a very, very interesting Republican primary. Now, I haven't focused a lot on it, and I, I will as we get closer to it, but I haven't focused a lot on it at this point because it, it's so far off and you want to see how this all shakes out. What is interesting to me is that the other big statewide election that's going to be on the November of 2018 ballot is – is, is the governor's race. Uh, he is not formally announced, but as Governor Walker said to me when we were talking at Insight, he, he said, why wouldn't I run? Scott Walker is running. Okay, that, that's not, he, he says he's not going to formally announce um, until after the budget is completed, but he's hired a campaign manager. Scott Walker is running again. Now, I, I think Governor Walker is an incredibly formidable candidate, but 
he's also, uh, in some extent, he, he's also somewhat vulnerable. I don't think there's any question that his his run for president um, hurt him, you know, in, in Wisconsin a couple years ago. He wasn't around to help sell the last budget. I think that hurt him a bit. Um, I think he's done an exceptional job. But even the Marquette, the last Marquette University Law School poll, even though they got it pretty wrong in the presidential election, he's got an approval rating of 45%. That That's it. It's not like he's talking about a 60% thing. You could look at that number and you could say, okay, here's he's controversial, he's vulnerable, let's jump in. And yet if you look at the people who are, are talking about running, I, I would say it's B-list, but it's not even B-list. It, it's really like, like D-list. There's, it, it's stunning how few people there are that are seriously talking about it. Um, it's it's more remarkable for the people who've decided, you know, that they're not running. Um, Chris Abley says he's not running. Ron Kind, who's the congressman from lacrosse, says he's not running. You know, Tim Cullen, you know, who was a former state senator who at least had some degree of name recognition, he said he wasn't running. You've got these various business people who've all sort of like flirted with the idea. You know, none of them are running. The only announced candidates, there's this guy named Bob Harlow, a recent Stanford University graduate who finished in last place during a 2016 congressional primary in California, he, he's announced. <laughs> he's this, this guy that, you know, just got out of Stanford, lost in the California primary. He's going to come to Wisconsin and run for governor. Um, his campaign, his big network is he wants to uh, bring a 200-mile-an-hour high-speed rail network to Wisconsin. Yeah, okay, well, um, all right, good luck with, with that one. But... Uh, the, one of the other names that's floating around, uh, Mike McCabe, who is the loony lefty who runs one of these like self-proclaimed like good government groups, you know, Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, which the press euphemistically refers as as a political watchdog group. What they are is a, a far left-leaning advocacy group. He says he's willing to run for governor, to which. I would say, oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> he said, well, there's people that petition me to run. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to run. Well, okay, um, he's a D-lister. This Harlow is a D-lister. There, there's you know, people that you thought might have some clout. People are just avoiding this. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage talk and text line. It is my theory that the reason that the... A-list or B-list candidates are choosing to pass on this is that they recognize that you just can't beat Scott Walker in Wisconsin, that, that, that to run against Scott Walker is going to be a losing endeavor, and nobody wants to do that. And I understand there's some people – look, here's the truth. Every state senator and every state representative, when they look at themselves in the morning – sees a governor. I'm, I'm going to be the next governor. But at the same time, in the world, the reality world we live in, I, I don't think any of them is willing to step up. Um, is is Governor Walker unbeatable? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I honestly, I think he has weathered the storm. And I think if you want to really measure how how electorally popular he is, it's the fact that 
This is the time when serious real candidates need to be emerging, and none of them are. What do you think? Is Walker beatable? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. It's 1142. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1146. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. All right. Uh, Tammy Baldwin and Scott Walker are both up for re-election in November of 2018. You've got Republican candidates all over who are seriously organizing. They're raising money. They're lining up supporters to run against Tammy Baldwin. You've got nobody on the Democratic side except some guy who just got out of Stanford who ran last in a California Democratic primary. There, There is nobody. There's not A-listers. There's not B-listers. There's not C-listers. And I think it's because, well, people are realizing that Walker can't be beaten. Lewis on the south side. You're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Yeah, Walker has proven himself to have good family values, uh, fiscal responsibility, good leadership skills. What could you possibly ever find to replace that? Well, I mean, I guess there's still there's still people who are mad about Act 10 and all that type of stuff. But, you know, the truth is it, Act 10 has been around for several years, and it's working. You know, it, it's, it's just working. The state of Wisconsin is in pretty darn good shape. It certainly is. Look at all the new development and jobs we're bringing in. Because of Act 10, we're getting a lot of companies coming from Illinois up to Wisconsin, and it's been a great story. It's helped out Kenosha a lot despite not getting the casino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, I mean, look, anytime you're going to be, thanks for the call, anytime you're going to you know, be in office for a number of years. You're going to do things that are controversial. You know, you bring out the Kenosha Casino, and I know that that's a sticking point for some people. I've always... As somebody who, who thinks that Dairyland should have been turned into a casino, I, I, the, the, the problem with that is the Walker administration was hamstrung by the bad deals that Jim Doyle made when it came to essentially giving away the state to certain tribal interests. So, and, and I understand that's a nuance that people just don't understand, but the, the legalities, the reality was Walker was very, very limited as to what he would have been able to do and um, you, you have Jim Doyle to thank for that. But, yeah, I mean, the, the bottom line, and, and actually, if you look at the budget that is coming through, I mean, Governor Walker is talking about taking a lot of the, this extra money and the surplus, and he's talking about, you know, putting it into, uh, again, reinvesting in education. So that's for, for people who want to argue that, oh, he's gutted education spending. Well, that's not what's going to be coming out of this legislative uh, session. For people who want to say, well, you know, we need to figure out transportation, all right, okay, Walker's position is, I did not get elected to raise taxes. So, I mean, are you gonna, if you're a Democrat, are you going to run against Walker? I mean, transportation's issue, are you going to run against Walker saying, I want to jack up the gas tax, or I want to put in toll roads? Is that, that's the issue that you're going to run on? I, I mean, seriously, this, this, this guy from, like, California who, who wants his, his issue is, okay, my, my driving point as to whether why I should be elected is I want a 200-mile-an-hour high-speed train for Wisconsin. Okay, that's, that's going to be what you run on? Really? Hmm. Jerry in Appleton. Jerry, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Oh, hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Belated happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I, I had a wonderful birthday party last night. Um, I actually, my, my brother-in-law gave me this, like, new stress ball that I'm squeezing right now. So it's... <laughs> oh, good for you. Thank you. Well, I'm, and I, I'll give a caveat. I'm a big Governor Walker supporter. Sure. So I do a lot of doors from everything. But, you know, I'm at the, 
I'd be literally shocked if they could come up with anybody that could beat Governor Walker. I mean, we're number one in the Midwest in growth now. Uh, the unemployment rate went down to 3.5%, or 3.4%. Right. Um, you Which, know, by the way, I'll let you finish your point, but, I mean, we're, we're close to... To to it's no, almost um, that that is almost like uh, almost structurally no unemployment because there's always people who are going to be like you know between jobs or something. I mean, once you get close to three percent, most economists will tell you it's almost like no unemployment. Uh, period, and we're we're doing great in that regard, no question about it. The labor participation rate is right around seventy percent. It's it's one of the highest in the country, uh, you know, and. Got a caveat that a lot of people probably don't know. What do you think the average wage of a Wisconsin wage earner was in the last 12 months? I couldn't believe it. it was, I was, you know, I knew it was good, so I guess three percent, seven and one half percent. Wow, that's what wages went up on an average in Wisconsin last year. Now, you, I know, like like me, if you tell like your friends, you're gonna, well, mine didn't go up. Right, right. But you're talking about the average, right? Yeah, sure, yeah, the average, right? Yeah. So, and, and you're absolutely right, Jeff. You nailed it. The reason that they can't get a good uh, uh, top-tier candidate to run is because, you know, you're going to get somebody that says, hey, this is fantastic. I'm running for governor. I must be important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, wait, 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 wait till the reality. I mean, thanks. And see, and here, here's the thanks to call, Jerry. I mean, you know, here, here's what I said when, when Tom Barrett ran against him and um, when, you know, when, you know, the other candidates like ran against him, that, that, that the thing was, you, you can't beat somebody with nobody. Now, I understand that there is some degree of, con- there, there's going to be people, oh, I hate that Scott Walker, etc. You know, he made me pay more for my health insurance or whatever. I, I understand that. But, and, but that's not enough. Being against somebody isn't enough. You need somebody who's got the big ideas. You've got, Somebody that can raise the money to get the message out, and you you need somebody that's really, you know, got an idea for a different vision of the state. And I think the bottom line is, most people believe the state is pretty much on the right track. I mean, I I certainly do. And I again, I was I'm very skeptical about polls and approval ratings and things like that. But even even if you just want to compare apples to apples, you look at the Marquette University Law School poll, and again, I understand where. It used to be considered the gold standard. I'm not sure I feel that way anymore. But just apples to apples. The Walker approval rating, August of 2016, 38%. October of 2016, 42%. March of 2017, 45%. So that's a that's a 7% uptick between last August and this March. And I, I think it's it's just going to continue. And again, the, the best indicator I have is that, like I say, I am, I am swamped with people who are getting into the want you know want to talk about the US Senate primary and very very interesting and diverse candidates from various backgrounds it is going to be a spirited primary because everybody thinks everybody thinks that they can beat Tammy Baldwin and I, again I I think just like I said with Walker you you can't beat somebody with nobody it, it, whoever comes forward is going to have to have a vision and a, and a a sort of a contrasting opinion, and, and I'm, I'm hoping that's what comes out. But at least there's people that are out there putting together organizations. Um, I'm not seeing any of that on, on the left, and it tells me one of the reasons is because Walker is so popular.